Amen. All right, we're going to start reading in verse 8 of Romans chapter 7. And I'm kind of doing the same method I did this morning. I'm going to strategically pick a passage of Scripture that people like and then kind of show some false teaching on it and then go to uh, we'll go to the context and see what the Bible really teaches. I'm not going to fake an accent of this, of this time though because this particular group are the trendies and they all talk like homos, and I don't even like acting like I don't. I don't want to act like that. I don't have any fun with that. So I'm just going to read normal. But verse eight says, "But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death." For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it slew me. Alright, now we're seeing some passages in here that can, you know, you, you gotta really pay attention, you gotta kinda read slow here. But basically, what it looks like here, when you read just these verses, it looks like this, these commandments created a problem for us. It makes it look like, it looks like here that rules are what kind of create the rebellion. That, you know, I was doing fine without the law, but then all of a sudden the law came and sin revived and I died. This, you know, this rule, this law that came along, it ended up killing me. Alright? And therefore, you know, we would ask the question, and Paul even brings this up, is the rule bad? Is the law bad? I mean, and you know, and the answer to that is no. But what's interesting about this passage, and we're, and we're gonna go into more of this uh, kind of some of the teachings from these verses as we go. There's things that are mentioned in this passage that people take and they make it look like that the law in many ways is a bad thing. That the law actually inspires and causes rebellion. And you know, as Christians, we're not under the law. We're under grace. We need to stop getting all hung up in all these rules. You know, whenever Christ or God looks at us, all He can see is His Son, Jesus Christ. And so why do we got to go around talking about rules? All it does is encourage rebellion. And how many has ever heard the statement? Alright, and if you never heard this before, go look it up on YouTube. Go look it up on the internet. You'll find a million articles by trendies. You'll find a bunch of videos by trendies. And that's the statement, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Anybody ever heard that statement before? I hear it all the time from the trendies. Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Alright, now... There's an element of truth to this, okay? But I'm going to show you where this is how Satan works. Satan likes to take a, take some truth, but just put a little bit of leaven in there, you know? That's just, that's how sneaky he is with stuff. He's not going to be real obvious. So rules without relationship leads to rebellion. What does that mean? Well, you as a parent, if you're going to just go and make a whole bunch of rules for your kids, but then you don't have a relationship with them, you know what? Your kids are just going to rebel. And you know what we need in churches today and what Christians need to do is they need to concentrate a little more on just having a relationship with their kids. And what usually comes as a result of this when people talk about, now that sounds pretty good, right? I mean, should we not have a relationship with our children? Of course. But here's the thing. Rules lead to rebellion. Period. Rules lead to rebellion. I think that's what he's teaching here. In Romans chapter 7. And you know what? Whether you have a relationship or not, rules are going to motivate, create rebellion. That's kind of what they do. And what we see too, and in the trendy crowd, this is where they get you. They'll, they'll, that sounds so good. You need to have a relationship with your kids. You know, stop just making up rules and go have a relationship with your kids. Come on, man. You know, that's what, you know, that's what we need to do. But, the problem with that, what they end up doing is they end up making the rules to be the bad thing. But folks, rules are not a bad thing. Rules are necessary. They are a necessity. And the truth is, you can have you know, a relationship, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be rebellion. For example, we see Adam and Eve. They had one rule, didn't they? They had one rule, and what did it do? It led to rebellion. Alright? But let me ask you, did they, was it because of a bad relationship? We see that God walked with them 
in the garden in the cool of the day. They had a closer relationship with God than we do. I mean, they walked with God, and yet He gave them one rule, and it led to rebellion. And so it's like they're trying to get you this attitude that you as parents, if your kids are rebellion, you know, or if your kids are, you know, are rebels, it's just because you've got a relationship problem, and maybe you shouldn't worry so much about rules. Well, you know what? Rules are necessary, and it is very important. And we're going to see, I'm going to show you, this thinking is just messed up. It's just, it shows these people are literally turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. So, you know, there is, there's an element of truth to what they're saying here, but biblical rules are right no matter what. Alright? No matter what, biblical rules are right. If you have a bad relationship with your parents growing up, the rules were not the problem. Okay? And this, what I want to talk about too, this is especially, I think, helpful if you grew up in a strict Christian home. I think there's some great lessons you can learn here. Okay? And you might, you know, even if you had a family that had a lot of rules and bad relationships, I, I think you will understand this passage better than anybody and what it's really trying to teach. And you'll see that the trendies are wrong in what they're doing with it. Alright? And I don't want to belittle relationships. I hope you have a relationship with your kid. That's very important. But we're seeing, this movement we're seeing teaching this stuff, it's with younger Baptist preachers. And it's like they're always talking about how they're focused on relationships rather than the rules. You know, and they do, they act like, they act like they don't think rules are bad. But what's interesting is how they all throw the rules out. You know, it's interesting how these people that are so focused on relationships because a lack of relationships with rules creates rebellion. Okay, well then why can't we have the rules and the relationship? You know, why can't we do that? But all they do is they throw out the rules. And it happens to be all the ones that, you know, were forced on them when they were younger. And so, you know, what's disgusting about this group too, they do, they love to take passages from Romans and mess them up. I'm trying to find out what book all these trendies are reading on Romans. I hear the most stupid stuff out of Romans regularly from this crowd. And they do, they love the book of Romans. They're always preaching through the book of Romans. But the nonsense that they're all collectively preaching just blows my mind. And I'm telling you, there's a book out there there's somebody that's they're getting this teaching from, and I can't figure out who it is. I've, I've, I've been asking people, hey, is there a book on Romans that you've read? I'm trying to find out who it is because I want to find this book and I want to read it, and then I want to absolutely destroy it. I, I want to expose this teaching. But let's see what Romans 7 is actually teaching here. Do rules, are rules the problem? Okay? Because, too, when you talk to that person who grew up in the strict Christian home that decided to go to the liberal coffee shop church, they love to talk about all the horrible rules their parents put on them. And on top of that, you know, our parents, they gave us all the rules, and we had terrible relationships. We had no relationship. You know? And in my family, we're going to have a good, I'm going to have a good relationship with my kids. And so their solution to a good relationship is to throw out all those rules that caused all the fights. In your family. Because what's really happening is these people are blaming bad relationships on the rules. That's what they're doing. But rules are not the problem. So let's look at what Romans 7 actually teaches. And you'll see that it's just it's horrible what they're doing with the scriptures. So verse 1 says, Know ye not, brethren, and look at this here. Alright? Make a note of this. In parentheses it says, For I speak to them that know the law. Okay? What he is writing here, he's writing to people who know the law of God. Okay? And so uh, I could compare this to some of you today. If you grew up in a Christian home, if you're somebody who's been saved a long time, you were raised in a Christian home, you were raised with rules and standards and convictions and biblical principles, you are going to know better than any of this, any of us, what this is talking about right here. Okay? If you didn't grow up in a Christian home, if you didn't grow up with strict rules, this might be a little foreign to you. Okay, And so he's saying this, I'm writing to you that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over man for as long as he liveth. So, uh, you know, there's many things too that, that I wish Christian parents could get this, especially people who got saved later in life and are trying to raise their kids like Christians. But uh, many of them struggle with, if you were not... Uh, many... Many people, they don't understand what it's like 
to be raised in a Christian home with godly standards. For example, a classic example where I see Christian parents fail miserably in raising their kids, and and specifically parents who were not raised in Christian homes, who got saved maybe after they got married, is in the area of dating. Okay? Listen, when you were growing up, you didn't have any rules. You got to date whoever you wanted. You got to touch your girlfriend. You got to do all the things that people naturally want to do that you are now teaching your kids you're not supposed to do. You know, you grew up in a world where fornication was okay. You and your wife, before you got married, you shacked up. You fooled around. You were engaged for 14 years before you got married. And so for some dumb reason, you think that your kid is going to be able to live a pure life while dating for 14 years, being engaged for 20 years. That's just stupid. Alright? I'm sorry. Long engagements are ridiculous and they are worldly. Okay? The world teaches long engagements. Why? Why does the world teach long engagements? I'll tell you why. Because they think you need to live together for a while and make sure you're compatible. But we teach that fornication is a wicked sin. And we're going to tell young, grown-up individuals, you guys can like each other, you can be around each other, but you can't touch each other, you can't live with each other, you can be engaged, but you need to be engaged for at least a year or a year and a half or two years before you get married. Folks, that is the dumbest thing in the world. People should, if, listen, you ought to get to know each other for a while. Once you guys figure out you're for each other, you know what you need to do? You need to set a date and you need to not wait very long and you need to get married. Why? To avoid fornication. Because they're going to want to fornicate and you've got these parents who got saved after they were married and they have, they do not understand what they are putting their kids through. And that is just dumb, folks. That is, that's dumb. It's worldly. And somebody needs to smack these people over the head. And these parents, Christian parents, that encourage long engagements with their kids while expecting them not to fornicate, that is just, that is the dumbest thing in the world. And so many, but many parents just don't know. They didn't grow up that way. They've not experienced it. And so it's foreign to them. Okay? And so some of these things might be a little foreign if you didn't grow up in a Christian home. This this message, it's kind of to a specific group of people, just like Paul's kind of writing to a specific group of people right here. And this this message I'm preaching, you know, it applies to many of us here, but you know, it applies to those who would listen out there who are the trendies, who have rejected the rules that their parents taught them because they feel like it's what caused their rebellion and their solution is throw the rules out. No, they're wrong. They're wrong in what they're doing. And I want to, I want to show why in this message. Look at verse 2. It says, For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Oh, the Trinities love that. You're dead to the law. Don't worry about the law. You're dead to the law. We don't need to worry about that. Alright? We're dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Now, why did it say this here? Alright? Is it saying we're dead to the law? Because, you know, the law doesn't matter to us anymore. He's speaking to those that know the law. And so then what he does is he goes and he gives a comparison reminding people that if you, if you as a woman, if you're married to a husband, you are bound to that husband by the law. However, if your husband dies according to the law, you are now loosed, right? Because it's till death do you part, and you are now free to be married to another. Okay? People who know the law understand that. So then he says, we are become dead to the law, body, body of Christ, that we should be married to another. Meaning that, you know, or what, you know, so what does that mean? To be dead to the law. Okay? What it's doing, when Jesus died on the cross, you could say that the law, it died with him because he was the word of God. He took our sin upon himself. And when he died, he freed us to be married to another. What does that mean? 
according to the law, okay, if Jesus hadn't died, what would be the only way we would have to get to heaven? We'd have to be married to the law. We would have to fulfill the law, wouldn't we? Okay, now let me ask you, before grace, before you got saved, not before this dispensation, okay, at one time we were all under the law. And you know what? That marriage wasn't going very good, was it? Okay, that union was not going very good. Okay, we were all there at one time where we were, in a sense, you could say, married to the law. Okay, before we were saved, we were under the law. If we would have stood before God, we would have been, we would have been condemned because of our sin. What sin? Our transgressions of the law. Okay, but when we accepted Jesus Christ, we became dead to that because of the through the body of Christ. Therefore, we no longer are bound by the law. We are free to be married to Christ. And that marriage to the law, it wasn't going good. It was failing. Why? Not because of the law, because of us. The law was good, the Bible says. We were the bad ones. We were the problems. And see, the trendies, they look at this and they act like the law is the problem. The law is the bad thing. No, 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 no. We were the, ba- we were the problem. We are the bad thing. The law was good, but this new covenant, you say the New Testament of Jesus' body, this new marriage that now we are free to do. See, because Jesus Christ paid for sins, He freed us from that law that, you know what, I don't have to remain married to that law. I now can receive grace. I can now get in on the new covenant that has better promises. A new covenant that has better works. They're the works of Jesus Christ. I have a better high priest, according to the book of Hebrews, that, that, you know, Jesus Christ makes up for all my shortcomings. Okay? So, right here, what he's explaining is how the body of Christ, the death of Jesus Christ, it frees us from the law, just like the death of a husband can free a woman to be married to someone else. Y'all understand that? Okay? I'm speaking to those that know the law. Do you all know the Old Testament law? You ever read it before? All right. You know, so you might want to look, you know, look at me like you get it. All right. <laughs> Hopefully I'm explaining this good. So look at verse 5. It says, For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit, and not in oldness of the letter. So what's Paul talking about here? Well, earlier in the book of Romans, Paul made it abundantly clear that when it comes to the letter of the law, we are clear failures, are we not? He said in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But now we are that we are free from the letter of the law. Okay, Because the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. When it comes to the letter of the law, it's super easy to find out where we've all failed, where we've all transgressed, and where we all fall short. Okay? But the Spirit, it giveth life. You know what that means? Now when it comes to the things of God, now when it comes to the laws of God, now when it comes to the rules, I am now free to do these things out of love for God. I don't have to do them, but I want to do them. Okay? It's good when I do them. It's, it's, it's not... You know, my a church attendance does not determine whether or not I'm going to go to heaven or hell. I could forsake the assembling and still go to heaven. But you know what? Since I am, uh, you know, become free to serve in the newness of the Spirit, you know what? I'm going to come to church anyway. I'm going to do it because I want to. I have that ability now. I can now do it with a good attitude. Okay, just like in a husband-wife relationship. You know, hopefully you're loving each other because you want to, not because you have to. Isn't that what everybody wants in a marriage? And that's what God wants in our relationship. God wants us doing things because we love Him, not because we have to. If I have to obey the law in order to go to heaven, if I have to go to church in order to go to heaven, I'm going to go to church because I love myself, not because I love God. I'm going to do right because I love myself and I don't want to go to hell. Okay? But when I know I'm going to go into heaven either way, I now can do things in the newness of the Spirit and I can do it because I love God and because I want to. And so, you know, now that we're free from the letter of the law, so we have the freedom, the ability to do right in the Spirit. So verse 7 says, What shall we say then? 
is the law sin. Alright? So since this law, it kind of pushes us into rebellion. Since it kills us. Since it's so difficult. Since Jesus Christ you know, fulfilled the law. Since He completed it. Since we can be dead to the law. Notice what the, this is the question that comes up. And this is one of the verses the trendies miss. What should we say then? Is the law sin? Because they act like it's bad when we preach the Old Testament law. They act like it's bad when we start saying, you shouldn't do this, or we're throwing people out of the church because of certain sins. They act like we're bad when we do that. Dennis Corll always says, talking about the trend, he's like, the only thing they preach hard against is hard preaching. And it's true. They hate hard preaching. They hate it. Why? Because it makes them uncomfortable. Because they like sin. They're turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. But he's, and they act like the law is a terrible thing. They act like it's so bad if you pull something out of the Old Testament. You know, oh, Jesus finished that. It's gone. He says, he's, he's saying all these things, but it is, it's a question that might come up and he's answering it is, what should we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. He says, no, the law is not sin. He says, nay, I had not known sin. But by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So he takes, no, he says the law is not bad. In fact, if it were not for the law, I wouldn't even know what sin is. Because what is sin? Sin's a transgression of the law. If there were no laws, how would we know what's right or wrong? We wouldn't be able to know. And it, we're going to find out it's very important that we know right and wrong. So, you know, the, the realization of everything we've talked about so far, it can. It can potentially give us the wrong idea. And that's why we see Paul clarify here in verse 7. You might be thinking, is the law sin? God forbid. The law is not sin. Thank God for the law. I would not have known sin but by the law. And he's going to go on. He's going to say more things that could bring the wrong idea. And it just happens to be the very idea people are getting today. But he, he, you know, he clarifies these things. He keeps doing it. So, the law was not a bad thing. It was necessary. There was no law. If there was no law, how could we ever know we need a Savior? How are these trendies supposed to get people saved in their church when they won't talk about sin? Why would people need to get saved? If we just came to church and all we're going to do is talk about how God loves you and God loves you so much and God just He just wants to have a relationship with you and come forward so you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, what does that even mean? You know? Yeah, okay, great. God loves me. I, I can go for that. God wants to have a relationship with me. Yeah. I can see why somebody would want to have a relationship with me. I can go for that. But if they're going to get saved, don't they need to realize that they're a sinner? How are they going to know they're a sinner unless we preach the law to them? Okay? And so, keep that in mind. So look at verse 8. But sin taking occasion by the commandment wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. Okay, and this is where it gets a little tricky. All right, what does that word concupiscence mean? It means to covet or lust after or, or to desire. Okay, so basically, when he's saying the sin taking occasion by the commandment, sin took an opportunity by the commandment to cause concupiscence. So what does that mean? Well, if you guys were to go home tonight and you were to tell your kids, alright kids, we're making a new rule in this house. You see this one kitchen cabinet? No one is allowed to ever open that door. Alright? Guess what all your kids are going to want to do? They're going to want to open that door. You know? Now, they probably never would have even thought about it. Maybe it's, maybe it's a high up one. Maybe there's only dishes or something in it. They probably never would have even thought about looking up there. But because you made a rule, guess what they're going to be tempted to do when they go to get a glass of water in the middle of the night? I wonder why they don't want us looking in that door. Is that not what it's going to do? I mean, is, is that just not how we are? We make a rule and all of a sudden we want to break that rule. It's just, that's who we are. And you know what? If I may just speculate a little bit, alright, this is just something I was just thinking about. You know, I personally think if God hadn't made a rule to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I don't think they would have ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's what I personally think. That's my opinion. 
I think that made them want to do it. Alright? And I got, I, I've got some thoughts on that. I, I might get into that in a little bit. But folks, will we not all agree that laws create concupiscence? A desire to do something that we shouldn't do. That's exactly what it does. Alright? And, you know, when you, when I go into Walmart and I see a door that says enter and one that says exit, you know, do not enter, I want to go through the exit one. Alright? Who goes through the wrong doors when they go to Walmart? Alright? I do it all the time. Why? Because there's a sign saying not to do it. Uh, that's the only reason. You know, if, if it said, pick whatever one you want, it's up to you. That would just make me mad. And I would go on the one that makes the most sense every time. All right? Because uh, that's just that's how we are. We're rebellious by nature. So are rules the problem again? Or are we just messed up? Do we just have a rebellion problem? Rules aren't, you know, rules aren't the problem, but rules do create a desire for sin. So look at verse 9. So it says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. So this commandment that God gave, it was one that was ordained to life. It killed me, is what he's saying. He's saying, you know, I was doing just fine, but then a command comes along and that command, it killed me. It slew me. So, wait a minute. What if God at the Garden of Eden would have just said, you know what? No laws. Once again, they probably wouldn't have. They might not have wanted to eat that tree. I'll bet they would have lasted longer than they did. I don't know how long they did last. But I bet they would have lasted longer if He had just said no rule. So, why did He have to do the rule? Why did He have to put that there? I think sins, or I think laws are the problem. You know, if God hadn't given a law, Adam and Eve wouldn't have sinned, right? Is that what He's saying right here? Okay, because you know the holy. Because notice too, He said that law, uh, or the command which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death. See, the holy law of God, this Old Testament, it would have brought life if someone would have obeyed it. But you know what? We all failed, don't we? We all failed. Everyone that's ever lived has failed with the exception of Jesus Christ. That holy law, it kills us spiritually every time. And it got every single one of us. And so verse 11 says, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good, See, once again, rules are good. Alright? It was a good rule. But that good rule, it killed me, Paul's saying. It destroyed me. It slew me. Verse 13. So then here's a question that comes up. Was then that which is good made death unto me? Alright? Because that's, if these rules are killing us, then, you know, aren't we in trouble? Is, is what made man fall is the, should we blame the fall of man on God putting the rule in the Garden of Eden? That's a question that might come up in people's mind. But look what it says. So verse thirteen was then that which is good made death unto me. Right. So did Adam and Eve fall because of a bad relationship? No. God walked with them in the cool of the day. You know, if God hadn't made the rule. Would everything have been okay based on what Paul just said? Well, no, because look at what he says in the next part of the verse. After he says, "Was that then that which is good made death unto me?" He says, "God forbid." In other words, no. All right, that wasn't it. In other words, these rules were necessary. It says, but so what were those rules there for? Why did God make these laws? If these laws are killing us, all right, then why? Why give these laws? Alright? He says, God forbid, but sin, here's why we have rules. That it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good, that sin by the commandment be, might become exceeding sinful. Now, this is something that if you grew up in a Christian home, you'll definitely be able to relate with, alright? So, these commandments that God gave, it, he gave them to make sin exceeding sinful. All right? 
So how many of you grew up in a home where cussing was exceeding sinful? Alright? I mean, how many of you grew up in a home where maybe you were watching something on TV and then all of a sudden guy started, you know, language and then ever and then there's that race for the remote. We gotta get the remote. You know, somebody turn the TV off, right? Anybody ever had a panic like that in their house? Alright, okay. Alright, so some of y'all have exper- y'all experienced that. How many of you grew up in a home where you know there were times where you were out in public and all of a sudden you're in Walmart and then you as a kid you're because of the music playing. All right, now why is that? Why is it that when you know when we we're growing, you know, when I was growing up as a kid, I could go into Walmart, I hear that music, and I start plugging my ears, and other kids are just no big deal. Why is it that when I would hear the cussing and you know it's like panic in the house and everybody's freaking out, that other kids no big deal, just saying it. Why is that? Why is there such a different reaction? Okay, and, and, and you know some more examples too. And this is one that'll just you know make the trendies freak out. But uh, you know, where, for some women, it is a huge, 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 huge deal the first time they go out in public in a pair of pants. It's a huge deal. I mean, they go out in public in a pair of pants, and it's like, I mean, they're scared who they're going to see. But often they kind of get they get more and more bold. And what's always the big move that they all make today is the first time they post that picture in social media in their pair of pants. Now, some of y'all, the way you, you know you were raised, what you've grown up with, you think nothing of that. But folks, there are women out there that have broke out into cold sweats and freaked out because they did they made that bold move of posting that picture on social media of them in a pair of pants. And it was a huge thing. And you say, some people think, what is the big deal? I'll tell you why. Because they grew up in a home where there were a lot of rules. And you know what it did? It made sin exceeding sinful. You see, when you grow up where you're not taught any rules, where you're not taught no laws, where you're not taught right and wrong, all these things that are bad, they don't even affect you. You don't even think about it. They mean absolutely nothing. But when you grew up in a Christian home where you had all these rules and you were taught all these things and you were told this is wrong and you shouldn't do this, those things were big deals when those things came up. And so, what's the point of that? You know, why should we make a big deal? You know, and that's how these trendies are, man. You know, it was, you know, these, these trendies that, you know, the females, you know, it was just so hard for me. You know, I wasn't allowed to wear a pair of pants. And the first one, I was so freaked out. I, I know a guy one time, he was a pastor's son. He always talks about his big rebellion that he did as a teenager is he went to a movie theater in a pair of shorts. And man, he just felt like he was, I mean, just rebelling like crazy because he went to a movie theater and a pair of shorts. And it was a huge, huge deal when he did that. You know, but you know what? While he's in there, just kind of freaked out, feeling like, you know, I'm just a rebel. You know, most people that were sitting in there, eating their popcorn, not thinking a thing of it. Their mom and dad could have seen him in there, and they would have been fine. If his mom and dad would have seen him in there, he'd have had a heart attack. Why? Because those rules, you know, it made sin exceeding sinful to him. It was a really big deal. There are some things that are a huge deal in the McMurtry home that mean absolutely nothing in any other home. You know, some kids can put on a pair of skinny jeans and go out in front of their parents and nobody thinks anything of it. In my house, my boys will be freaked out. Why? Because of the rules that we have in our house. And we've made that rule exceeding sinful. Alright, we've made that be something that's exceeding sinful. Laws do that. Rules do that. And the truth is, this is an advantage. If you grew up in a home where sin was made exceeding sinful, you had a huge advantage. I'll show you why here in just a minute. Alright, so the laws or rules that, you know, you said if you, if you grew up in a Christian home, if you went to a Christian school, so, you know, in a Christian school, if you go to a Christian school and you're a girl and you're seen out in public in a pair of pants, I mean, it is like just earth, it's an earth shattering event. I mean, there's going to be meetings with the parents and, uh, you know, I mean, it, there's going to be all kinds of talk around. It's just, that's just how it is in that world. Right? Because of these rules. It makes sin exceeding sin. I'm not saying these rules are wrong. I like a lot of it. 
I like these rules. Okay? I don't always like how they're enforced, you know, enforced and things like that. I, I don't necessarily agree with how all that's done, but it does make things exceeding sinful, and this is an advantage. Okay? I'm speaking to those who know the law. If you grew up in a strict home like that, you are at a huge advantage when it comes to getting saved. And here's why. Because if you were raised in a Christian home, taught the laws of God, taught rules, nobody is going to know better than you that you need a Savior. Nobody's going to know. Once again, these people are out there in the world. A lot of times, you know when they find out sin is bad? When we come knock on their door for the first time. And you know what? It's hard for them to imagine deserving to go to hell. Really? I deserve to go to hell? I've never killed anybody. And well, why do they think that? Why do they think that? Because that's what we go to prison for. That's what we actually have laws for in our country. You can go to prison for killing somebody. Alright? You can go to jail for stealing. But wait a minute. But what about, you know, what about cussing? What about, you know, drinking? What about, you know, fornication? All these things that our society has no rules for. Our world doesn't see these things as bad. They don't see themselves as sinful. But when you grew up in a home where you're taught the laws of God, you're taught the rules, those things will make you feel like the most dirty, low-down, rotten scumbag that ever walked the face of the earth. You're not going to have any problem figuring out that you need a Savior where that other crowd, they can't figure it out. You'd think it would be even easier for them, but you know what? It's not because sin is not exceeding sinful to them. They don't. They think they are doing just fine. I mean, it's not uncommon for us when we go out and knock doors, we can talk to somebody and he's standing there with a can of beer in his hand telling us how he thinks he's going to heaven because he's a good person. Okay? And that's weird to me because me being raised the way I was raised, knowing what I know, if I had a can of beer in my hand, I would be convinced I was going to get hit with a bolt of lightning. Alright? Why? Because of the rules. Because of these laws. It's made it exceeding sinful. I... I don't think I could take a drink of alcohol if I tried. I don't think I, I could. I, I don't want to do it. I don't think I could do it. I don't think you could pay me enough to do it. Why? I'm scared. Right? I just. I. I it's, it's exceeding sinful. That's a huge deal. It's how I was raised. It's how I was taught. And so this is an advantage. People who grew up in homes like this should not have any trouble seeing their need for a savior. So look at verse, let's keep reading verse 14. It says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, not, uh, for that which I, do I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent to the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. <clears throat> I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So there is nothing, there is nothing about this passage that gives any indication that the law is bad in any way, or that we should not try to follow the laws of God. In fact, we see the inward man delights in the laws of God. Paul's saying, hey, there's a part of me. I want to keep these laws. Paul wasn't trying to look for an excuse to stay away from them. Paul wasn't, didn't want to take advantage of the grace of God. He's like, man, this inward man, it wants to follow these laws. It loves these laws. It, it loves these rules, but this flesh... This flesh is the problem. This flesh is what gets in the way. And see, there is a difference between the saved and the lost or the Spirit and the flesh. Okay? The flesh hates the law of God, but the Spirit loves it. The Spirit loves the law of God. The flesh hates it. So, here's the, this group out there that seems to hate the law these preachers that don't want to talk about the law, that are looking for excuses to not follow the law, instead of doing like Paul, trying to find how to do that which is good. Okay, The reason for that is because there's nothing in them that would make them want the law of God. But the Spirit of God, that inward man, it desires to follow the laws of God. 
And the knowledge of the law, I mean, it does. It gives us the guidance on what we're supposed to do and what we should not do. And there is, if you're saved, there's something in you that wants to do those things. So look at verse 23. But we've got something working against us, and it's our flesh. It says, But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So we see here that Paul, he, he's got a conflict here. Why? He has this flesh, and this flesh, it rebels against rules. End of story. Okay? Rules do lead to rebellion. Period. But do we see anything in this passage that says that the you know that the rebellion or that the rules are bad. No. This passage makes it very clear that the rules are good. Is there anything in this passage that says the reason you don't like the rules is because the one giving you the rules you don't have a good relationship with them. Is relationship even a part of this? Absolutely not. Once again, relationships are good. Try to have a good relationship with your children, but the real reason that your children struggle with rules is because they have a rebellious flesh. And you know what they need? They need that inward man that desires to do right, that desires to follow the laws of God, and the only way they're going to get that is to get saved. And the only way they're going to get saved is if they realize that they are a sinner. And one of the ways that we learn that we are a sinner is by the laws of God. The law of God. It is our schoolmaster to bring us to salvation. Not just because it tells us how to be saved, but because it shows us why we need to be saved. And it makes it easy to understand. And you know, the reason many people struggle, they've never been convicted of sin. Sin does not bother them. They don't think it's a big deal. When we go and we talk to them and we show them for the wages of sin is death, they just can't get it in their head that their sin will get them thrown into hell. I mean, you can be talking to somebody that's living in a fornicating lifestyle and they don't see their need for a Savior. Can anybody explain why that would be? I'll tell you why. It's because they grew up with no rules. That's why. The problem that our world has today is that there are no rules. When you have rules, it will, teach, it will cause you to want to rebel, but it will also help you see that these things are exceeding sinful. This is why for years and for centuries and millenniums, the homosexuals hid in the closet. You know why? Because society had rules. Society had rules saying that this is wrong, this is wicked, this is unlawful. And you know what? It wasn't just that people were scared. People were ashamed. Okay, They were ashamed of it, and so they stayed in the closet. But what happened? You know, There were those trailblazers out there. There were those people that were bold. And they came forward and they said, you know what? I'm gay and proud of it. That was the big thing they were always saying in the 90s. Gay and proud of it. That's what they'd say. Teaching people, come out of the closet. You know what? These rules are bad. Society is wrong. You know what? Go ahead and express yourself. Be who you want to be. If you're a man, dress like a woman. Talk like a queer. You know, do all these things. You know, put on makeup, guys. You know, do do all these things. Some guy, I guess, at the Oscars. You see that picture of that black dude wearing the dress? That was disgusting. Right? That's that is wicked. I forgot what his point was in doing that, but he was trying to promote some agenda like that. You know what they're doing? They're teaching these people to be just out and proud. What got him in the closet? It was that society had rules. They were taught these things were wrong. And it helped suppress some of this stuff. And you know, now what it does is it emboldens other people. And this is why, you know, amongst the trendies and stuff, okay, why is it that you have these people that, you know, they do, you know, these females, some of these pastors' wives, that they do, they like to just boldly express themselves, you know, in their tight pants as a pastor's wife. You know what they're doing? They're, they're doing that trying to encourage other women. Hey, you were taught 
that you shouldn't dress this way. This is what you were taught. But you know what? Those rules were wrong. I fought with my mom all the time over this. We had such a terrible relationship. And it was because of those bad old rules. And all it did is it made me want to rebel. You know, and you know what you need to do? You just need to forget about that. And folks, we're seeing this all the time. And it is, it, it, it's, it's funny how the progression goes. I mean, there's people I know. They're already there. They've dumped those standards. They don't believe them in their heart. But it's still hard for them. You know, there's, they still can't go out yet in public in that pair of pants while in their heart they're already doing it because it was exceeding sinful in their home. Now they're doing it, but, you know, as long as they're not going to see anybody that they know. But, you know, it's only a matter of time when pretty soon they'll start snapping the pictures and posting it on social media. And you know what? A bunch of people are going to tell them, oh, it, you take any Christian woman, alright, that's going trendy, that goes and does her first picture in a, in a pair of tight jeans, she is, she, she is going to have so many females come on there. You look so good, girl. Oh, wow. You just, they all do that. She could post that exact same picture in that exact same pose in a skirt and nobody will say boo. They do it the first time in a pair of tight jeans and what is, everybody goes nuts over that. Why? Just encourage them to be out about that stuff. And then all of a sudden they do, they do it and they get emboldened. They feel good about themselves. And then they go around bashing the rules. Acting like rules are the cause of rebellion as if the rules are a bad thing. No, rules are a good thing. Rules teach us what sin is. Rules help us see our need for a Savior. And you know what? Some of these rules protect us from some horrible things. And you know what? We are, we are naturally inclined to, to things of the flesh and going the wrong way. But you know what? Thank God, if you grew up in a home where you're just freaked out still to do some things. You know, my dad doesn't have any authority over me now. I'm 38 years old. I have more kids than he does. Alright? But at the same time, just some of the things I grew up with and the rules that I had, I ain't doing that. You know, I'm still freaked out to do some of these things. And I should be. And, and why? Other people aren't freaked out by it. You know why? Because they, weren't, they didn't have the rules. Sin wasn't made exceeding sinful for them. But if you grew up with that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you know what? Thank God for it. That's a good thing. Because that inward man, it desires to follow the rules, but that flesh, it often gets in the way. And so when you have people that they never did have that kind of upbringing, upbringing, these things aren't a big deal for them. And it's even harder for them if they learn that some of these things are wrong. It's even harder for them to do the right thing. And so, we were those of us who grew up in strict homes, we were privileged. Those of us who had a lot of rules, that was a privilege. That was a good thing. It was easier for us to get saved. Because all these things are big deals. You know, when I was a kid, the worst thing that you could watch on television was He-Man. Yeah, that was just like this terrible, terrible thing. And you know what? I remember my friends used to talk about watching He-Man stuff. And so I remember one one of my friends, they had a whole bunch of He-Man toys. They had like this castle, I forgot what it was called. Uh, they had this castle, it was like a skeleton face. They had Skeletor and He-Man and Sheila. How did I know about all these things? Because I wanted to watch the Forbidden Cartoons. <laughs> you know, I saw the toys at Walmart. Now, if it hadn't been for the rules... I probably wouldn't even know what He-Man is. I've never watched an episode of He-Man that I can I can remember. Farther than I ever watched it. I but I I still know who the characters are because that was like the big thing you weren't supposed to watch. Several years ago, what everybody preached against at the youth conferences and stuff was Harry Potter. Right? That was like when that was like the big thing. Everybody preached against Harry Potter. But you know what? Every Christian kid knew who Harry Potter was. They knew all the characters. They they knew all these things. Why? Because it just made them more interested. Even if they didn't watch it, but there's just something about that. And but you know the thing is, those Christian kids who did sneak out and go watch Harry Potter, 
They didn't all have any problem getting saved later at the next youth conference because they felt exceeding sinful. They knew they were on their way to hell after watching the witchcraft movie. <laughs> you know, and you know that that these are good things. We should be thankful for rules. And if if you know, don't don't fall for this junk that the trendies are teaching. Don't let them make you think you're going to have a bad relationship with your kids and you're going to have rebellious kids if you have rules. You're going to have rebellious kids one way or the other. All right, you just got to beat it out of them. That's what the Bible teaches. You know, but the, the rules are a good thing. And, this, and when you have those, it'll, it'll make it a big deal one of these days. And I heard a pastor one time, I'll close with this. He was saying, he was talking about how he had a young couple that, you know, they were taught the strict dating principles and taught not to touch and, you know, do anything before they got married. And he said one day they came to his office. They wanted to talk to him. They wanted to confess to him. And he's like, they were crying. And they were, you know, they got, went to him and they said, Pat, you know, Pastor, we're, we need to confess. We need to get this off. And, you know, he's thinking, oh, man, they fornicated. And he said, but they said, we held hands. You know, we weren't supposed to do that. They did it. And he said he sat there and he just got real serious with them. And he reprimanded them and he got all over them and told them they better watch it and keep their distance and they need to keep their hands off each other until they get married. I mean, it really freaked them out good. And he said when they left the office, he was just like, praise the Lord. You know, He's like, thank God they are that sensitive to just holding hands where most people today, they can go out and they can commit fornication, he can get the girl pregnant, and they don't think nothing of it. And is that not exactly the mentality today? We've got to get back to seeing sin as something bad. But if we don't have any rules, nobody's going to see it that way. And, and that sin, all it does is it condemns us. Or that those rules, they condemn us. But folks, we need to realize we're condemned. So we'll see our need for a Savior. So we'll know that we need to confess our sins to God so we can get right with God. Because we might these things might not be a big deal to society, but they are a big deal to God. And so we need to thank God. Thank God if you're in a, from a strict home. Thank God if you go to a church that preaches hard against sin and has rules. Embrace those things. Love those things. They are good. Thank God for rules. Thank God for the law of God. And if you have no desire at all to follow the laws of God, I just have one question. Where is your inward man? You should have the same inward man that I do, and he wants to obey the law of God. Yeah, the flesh makes it difficult, but there should be something there. And I hope you've got it. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for Your laws that teach us the things that we needed to see so we would know uh, we needed a Savior. And dear God, I pray, help us to be sensitive uh, to the laws of God and to, uh, to Your Word. Help us to uh, not throw out the rules and blame the rules for the rebellion. Help us to realize it's our flesh that's the problem. And help us to uh, just follow the inward man and to try to do the right thing. In Your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand.